You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and this is part one of our Broadway bonus tournament. We have some wonderful competitors waiting in the wings right now to answer 15 questions about everything Broadway, and we'll get to them in just one minute. Wanted to take a moment and say that Ken, Jeff, and Matt unfortunately will not be on today's episode. Ken is apparently fighting an unbeatable foe, Matt is trying to bear with unbearable sorrow, and Jeff said he was running where the brave do not go. So whatever that means, hopefully not an impossible dream to get them back here into the studio But luckily for us, we have an amazing understudy who will take their place, and uh, they wrote the entire tournament that will be played by our contestants over the next three episodes, and we thank her for that. Entering from stage left is friend of the show, Kellen McGuire. How's it going, Kellen? Hi. uh, It's going pretty good, you know. Now, this is almost your fifth or sixth time, I think, on the show. I think um, counting appearances of my ghost and in a bonus episode, I think this makes five. Regardless, by the end of the tournament, I will be in the five timers club. Um, So I'm super excited because uh, we've been wanting to do a Broadway bonus tournament for a very, very long time. I'm a huge fan of Broadway, of musical theater, of all theater of any kind, um, and uh, am a former performer uh, like yourself. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about your background in theater and uh, why you uh, wrote today's game? Sure. Um, so I'm like a lifelong fan of theater. Um, I was lucky enough to have a really great community theater uh, near where I grew up, the Theater of Western Springs, for those of you in the Chicago area. Um I had like a great education there and some great experiences and friendships. Um, And then I was able to study theater in college. Um, And I was going to start doing, uh, pursuing a career in theater right around March of 2020. I had taken some time off after college and I was like, you know what? March is going to be my month. And then literally the worst thing is a respiratory virus for performers in a, in a closed space. So this is kind of, um, this was to fill a void. Let's say, um, I started writing this and I started delving back into the world of theater. So this is very exciting for me. 
Well, we appreciate you being here and, and writing the game. Uh, I know that uh, you're stocked up on throat coat um, to make sure that uh, <laughs> your voice uh, stays strong. Um, and uh, I'm going to introduce our special competitors uh, in just one moment. But before we get to them, Callan, um, can you tell us um, maybe a, a favorite show or your first show, any sort of memory? Uh, because I think that is the best thing about uh, theater in general is that uh, it creates uh, wonderful memories. I, well, I was really young. I was able to see a production of Peter Pan at, um, it was Drury Lane, maybe, outside of Chicago. And um, to be, we were able to be front row and like to be there to like point to the stuff that Peter was looking for and clap or tinkle, like the full interactiveness of it, I think really kind of caught me um, in that moment. So that's a really special memory for me. That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's uh, one of the the best things about theater, especially at a young age when um, you're able to to see it uh, when you're impressionable and and um, all the magic tricks really really work for you uh, and the performers can um, you know make you believe that they are those characters. I know uh, my sophomore year of high school, we went to New York uh, for a field trip uh, for a choir field trip, and that was the first time I'd ever been to New York. Um, and I've been so many so many times since because I love it there. But uh, we saw The Lion King, and I did not know until I think a couple months ago um, that the production of Lion King that we saw uh, starred Christopher Jackson from Hamilton as uh, older Simba. And I have a picture That's with right. him, and yeah. I didn't know that that was him until now. So it was kind of cool looking back and saying, "Look how far he's come," uh, and I suppose look how far I've come. I guess I've just grown old, but not done too much but uh it made me feel good um so uh let's introduce uh our competitors our first competitor is coming to us from dallas and that is evan thanks for joining us evan yeah how's it going neil it's uh, great to be here great to have you and uh tell us a little bit about yourself yeah i'm a I'm 23 years old i'm a, a software developer i uh i've been a software developer for about a year and a half now uh May 2019 was actually a pretty crazy year for me. I graduated college and got married and started my job all within a week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was a pretty insane month for me. But yeah, I'm a software developer in Dallas. So yeah. Awesome. And uh, any uh, favorite uh, theater memories or theater opinions? Anything you'd like to tell us? Yeah, I think uh, just basically how I got my start in theater and how I fell in love with theaters. I, I think I was around seven or eight years old and my, uh, my dad showed me West Side Story for the first time. And I just immediately remember falling like in love with like everything about it from the music to the choreography to the story. And like, I just immediately like became obsessed with it. And I watched it like over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and since then, it's actually been my dream to like play Tony on, uh, you know, on a stage somewhere. And I've yet to realize that. And I'm, uh, I'm quickly approaching the age where that will no longer be a possibility. Uh, but here's hoping. All right. Well, we hope so too. And I think maybe we can do something where we can help all of us get back on stage in, in some capacity, because with all the reimaginings and reboots, there's no reason that you can't be, uh, an older Tony in a, in a slightly different universe. So we can figure it out. That's true. I mean, that's my hope. And I mean, with uh, Steven Spielberg, I think, is uh, working on, if not just finished, his uh, version of West Side Story. So it's it's back in there. People are interested in it again. So, you know, my dream is still alive. Yes, my, my heart is broken. It was supposed to premiere uh, on his birthday, December 18th of 2020, but they pushed it back. But it will be uh, joyous to uh, to see it in a, in a theater in a big screen, hopefully. Um, 
So our next competitor uh, is uh, someone you've heard before. Uh, he has a wonderful podcast called The Geek Bracket, and that is JP from Roanoke. Thanks for joining us again, JP. Thanks for having me back, Neil. It's great to be back, and I guess I don't have to plug the podcast because you already did that for me. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I wanted to make sure I set you up uh, correctly. Um, and so for those of us who may have not heard you on a different episode or the one that you hosted, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, also some some theater memories. Sure, absolutely. Uh, again, my name is uh, J.P. Adams. I'm from the Roanoke, Virginia area. By day, I am a Magic the Gathering uh, tournament organizer uh, based out of the Roanoke area. At night, I run a podcast called The Geek Bracket. If you're a fan of geeky stuff, uh, by the time this is out, we're done with season one and probably starting up season two. So dive into the back catalog. We've got a lot of great trivia there. Uh, as far as theater goes, I was involved with theater. Uh, I was a music, a vocal music major in college, actually. So uh, I did a lot of opera work uh, doing classical training in college. And then when I graduated, I didn't look to do opera work whatsoever because musical theater is so, so much more fun and engaging. Uh, I did shows uh, either at the community or professional level, at low professional level, not like actual contract shows with uh, actors equity, uh, but did work professionally uh, for about three or four years in the Columbus, Ohio area doing shows. Uh, probably when we start talking about uh, theater experiences that stick with you, I think immersive theater really gets you like actually sitting there being close to the action. And I have two experiences that leap to mind when it comes to experiencing theater that sticks with me. Uh, one was uh, I traveled to Cincinnati to see a production at a circle in the square of uh Merrily We Roll Along that was done in the same style that they did the Broadway revivals of Sweeney Todd and Company, where all of the actors played all of the orchestral instruments on stage for the production. Uh, both of the productions that ended up transferring to Broadway started at that Cincinnati Playhouse. That one didn't make the transfer, but the way that they staged it, the way that the instruments were incorporated in with that production is something I will never forget and cemented my love of all things Sondheim. And the other experience, even though the show is a little problematic now, is probably uh, watching a production of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. And they had uh, the storyteller in a, mechani in a mechanized wheelchair. And so when... Spoilers for those of you who are not familiar with Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Uh, they killed the storyteller about a third of the way through the first act. Um, and they literally shoot her in the neck. And in productions I've seen before, the storyteller just kind of drops and sits there for like three or four scenes. Uh, this storyteller nearly drove off the stage in their mechanized wheelchair when that happened. <laughs> and it's it's a lovely punk rock musical and it's probably one of my like dark horse favorite shows for that reason i guessed because i've never heard anybody else talk about that except for like one of my other friends but i was like oh, bloody bloody andrew jackson oh my gosh. It is. like again yeah. the show has issues andrew jackson has issues <laughs> um but andrew jackson is a hundred percent a bucket list role for me i would do near anything to put on tight leather pants and do that role Oh, I love it. Uh, well, that's actually, I, I love that addition. So maybe um, when everyone else is uh, done introducing themselves, uh, make sure you, you give us a bucket list role if you would like to perform. Um, 
So uh, our next uh, contestant, uh, our next two contestants are both coming to us from Kentucky. Um, our first is coming to us from Northern Kentucky, and that is Anne. Thanks for joining us, Anne. Hello. I'm really excited. Um, I'm in Northern Kentucky. I've kind of had a crazy year like Evan. I just moved this year. We bought our first home, started a new job. I am an elementary music teacher. I've been doing that for eight years, so I'm excited to be doing that up here in North Kentucky where my husband and I have family. And then the biggest thing is actually I'm home right now on maternity leave. I have a six-week-old uh, daughter right now. Her name's Cecilia and my life is bottles and naps and tracking diapers, but um, it's just been the biggest joy. So uh, yeah, really excited to be here today. Well, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, how about you? Any, uh, any theater memories? Oh yeah. Um, so I did a lot of pit orchestra, actually. Um, I played flute and uh, we did a lot of live theater in high school and my band director he was um he was so funny he would kind of be like a stage manager um from the orchestra pit and you'd hear him like on the mic yelling uh why are they late why are they late and i was i was the one sitting right with my little flute like um no we got this is our cue we gotta play right now and he would you know try and choke me out and not really he was amazing amazing guy probably the reason i wanted to be a music teacher because he just really shared his passion and i just loved sitting in the pit all those years i even came back and did it through college and just um i don't know making those memories it was really cool oh that's wonderful uh i i have so many memories from the pit i was able to perform and also uh, playing the pit and there's such different experiences, but they're both rewarding and both, uh, memorable because of the, um, the difference from, you know, sitting below watching the actors and, and, uh, the way that the show moves forward or doesn't move forward, depending on if everyone knows their lines or knows their notes and then being on stage and, and kind of, uh, being combative, uh, with the, uh, with the pit. It's always kind of fun that, uh, that difference there. Uh, all right. Our last competitor, uh, also from, uh, Kentucky, as I said, uh, just outside of Louisville is Tommy. How's it going, Tommy? I'm doing great. I am really excited to be here. Uh, I am outside of Louisville. I'm in Oldham County. I also just bought my first house this year. Me and my boyfriend did. So that's been uh, wild, crazy, and more than we expected, but we love it. Well, congratulations uh, to you as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I am a grants accountant for a local nonprofit by day. And at home, I come home and I have enjoyed all the uh Musical productions we can watch online now. Hamilton's been on a couple times. Uh, I've been really enjoying the Miss Saigon production. That was a show I always wanted to see for a really long time that recently came through Louisville, I don't know, two years ago. Uh, that was one of my bucket list shows I always wanted to see. So I was really happy to get to see that when it came through. That's awesome. Yeah, Miss Saigon uh, is uh, is a great show, especially um, depending on how the theater uh, does uh, the helicopter portions. Uh, if it's a huge helicopter, if it's uh, implied, or if it's lighting, anything like that. It's I've seen both, and it's it's pretty captivating when it happens. Um, I also have sort of a uh, sore spot with uh, Miss Saigon because uh, one of my vocal teachers um, had me sing uh, Sun and Moon with uh, one of her um, client or clients, her students. And when we were singing, I thought it was like the best performance I'd ever given. And afterwards uh, I came off and, uh, and she said, it sounded really good, um, but you, uh, you changed quite a bit of the lyrics. And so I felt bad, but uh, it's okay. I felt good about it. Um, awesome. Well, we have all our competitors here. Uh, there's four competitors. Kellen wrote the game. Uh, the way the rules are gonna work, there's gonna be 15 questions. Uh, and uh, whoever has the most uh, correct answers will move on to the final episode, which will be episode three. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to be all Broadway, as we said, um, for competitors. And one thing that I did want to add is we have a new uh, merchandise store for Triviality at T Public. You can go to our website, trivialitypodcast.com, click the merchandise button. It'll take you to the uh, merchandise area. But uh, what I wanted to say was T Public is actually um, giving a free T-shirt to whoever wins this little competition. So um, thank you to T Public for being the home of our new store and for giving the prize uh, for the winner of this tournament. We appreciate it. And uh, one more thing I just want to say before we begin, all of our competitors are uh, Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast and uh, support our show so we can continue to release more bonus episodes just like this one. So I'm going to throw the keys to Kellen. She's going to take it over, and I'm just going to be here to uh, keep score and probably tell some embarrassing stories. Thanks, Neil. I'm excited to hear them. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, so, um, basically these are 15 questions and because the world of theater is so large and far reaching and people's knowledge of theater is varied from person to person, the questions are going to be basically divided, um, among, um, five potential categories, um, which is the Tonys. Um, what show am I asking about? What person am I talking about? What thing am I talking about? And then miscellaneous. So hopefully there's something for everybody to get to show off and flex a little bit. Um, great. So question number one. A sequel to a stage show might seem strange, but the author of Love Never Dies wrote a sequel to which of his long-running musicals? So I want the name of the show. All right, let's start with Evan. Uh, what is your answer? Yeah, this is a uh, musical that's uh, well-loved by many, but I actually uh, fell asleep when I saw it on Broadway. I'm uh, pretty sure this is Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and JP? I hope no cats delete the score of this show. I also locked in with Phantom of the Opera. And Anne? I, too, had Phantom of the Opera. And finally, Tommy? Uh, I'm sad to hear I put Evan to sleep. Uh, Phantom of the Opera has always been... Uh, my my top favorite. Uh, so I, that's why. <laughs> uh, that's correct. It was the Phantom of the Opera. Um, I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber is one of the very few people who can pull off a musical sequel to his most successful show. Um, but yeah, it it happened. <laughs> Great. So on to question number two. We know them as the Tony Awards. What is the name of the person they are named for? Uh, I can be locked in. Okay. <laughs> All right. So oh. with uh, with Tommy uh, reluctantly locking in, uh, let's start with Evan. Yeah, I uh, locked in because I have no idea who this is. Um, I'm going to say Antonio Tonerson. <laughs> All right, JP. Uh, you're closer than you might think. Uh, this woman is named Antoinette Perry. All right. And Anne? I only knew this because I Googled it last night, wondering if it would be a question. I also put Antoinette Perry. Nice. And Tommy. Uh, whenever in doubt, my trivia team likes to go with Meryl Streep as our go-to answer. So I'm going to say their name for Meryl Streep. Uh, the correct answer is Meryl Streep. No, uh, <laughs> it is Antoinette Perry. She was um, one of the founders of the American Theater Wing. And so after she passed away, they thought it would be nice to name these awards after her. Um, which, you know, I'm going to call them the Tonys now and people think it's named after a dude. So <laughs> anyway, um, 
Question number three. A chorus line is still the record holder for the most recipients of the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in a single year, with the win being awarded to those involved in the choreography, direction, and writing. Within one, how many people were awarded the prize? Just to confirm, the three groups that were awarded were the choreographers, the writers, and the directors? Yeah, so uh, those involved in the production, I guess is a broader way of saying it, um, that aren't actors. Yeah, Pulitzers usually go to just the people that touch words. So I'm going to have to think this one over a bit. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really not sure about this. Um, so I'm just going to go with my favorite number, which is seven. Okay, JP? The number 17 would not get out of my head. So I locked in with 17. And Anne? Let's try nine. All right, and Tommy? I'm going to try six. The correct answer is five. So Tommy <laughs> has fallen in the range. I mean, you were very close. Um, uh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to get, I had the list of them up, but my internet's not quite loading it. Um, but I am, I think it was Marvin Hamlish um, at, for writing. And then, um, oh, here, Michael Bennett, James Kirkwood Jr., um, Nicholas Dante, who's choreographer, and Edward Kleban and Marvin Hamlish. Um, I think it, it's because it's like a devised theater piece. Like it, it wasn't necessarily like people sitting down just writing a script. It was very much if you watch the documentary, every little step, you can see kind of how it happened. Um, so I think that's why they made the decision to award it to the full team instead of just one person. I didn't realize Marvin Hamlish uh, was involved with that. A great, uh, great composer. Yeah, um, he in in that documentary, every little step, he actually he talks about um, writing uh, the lyrics and having to like adjust things for how the audience perceive them, or just uh, changing the song titles even to make the audience react more. Um, so it's a very interesting, especially if you love theater, it's a very interesting documentary to watch for one of my favorite shows. Um, okay, question number four. Premiering in Chicago in 2014, The Last Ship was written by this singer, inspired by his childhood in a shipbuilding family in Newcastle-upon-Tyne and his album, The Soul Cages. I'm locked in. It did open on Broadway. It, it started in Chicago, but it was on Broadway. I'm locked in. All right, everyone is locked in. Evan, what do you have? Yeah, I know this is uh, one of Triviality's favorite people on the planet because he just goes on and on and on. I believe it is Sting. And JP? Yeah, I remember hearing an NPR interview about this a couple of years ago, and I was just trying to rack my head of who it was, and I also landed on Sting. And Anne? I had to tap. I did not know. And Tommy? Uh, Sting was initially what came to mind, and then I talked myself out of it and committed to a non-answer, so I didn't actually have anything. Oh, no. It, it is Sting. Um, for the record, the soundtrack is an hour and 13 minutes long. I did check. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Neil, I don't know if you remember the ads from when this was opening in Chicago. It was like every other ad, um, it feels like, on TV was uh, a clip of him going, when the last ship sails, and then just like 
the tour dates. I, I do. Um, yeah, I do remember that. And it's not, uh, it, it wasn't as many ads, though, as Eric Dane's TV show called The Last Ship, uh, yeah. luckily. <laughs> when that premiered, I was like, they made a TV show out of that? <laughs> but it was completely unrelated. Um, okay, question five. In She Loves Me, what did Georg bring for Amalia that started to change the way that she thought about him? There's a whole song about it. I'll give that hint. All right, Evan, what are you thinking? Yeah, like I said, I'm just going to have to guess on this one. I'm going to say a diary. And uh, JP? I went with a very generic musical theater thing of flowers. Okay, and? I don't know the show. Uh, for some great, crazy reason, Teapot came to mind. So I locked in with Teapot for no reason. And Tommy? Yeah, I've never heard of this show, so I thought it'd be fun to have a song about gifting someone a puppy. Oh, that would be really nice. This was um, uh, vanilla ice cream. I would have accepted ice cream. Um, this is the Shop Around the Corner musical. After writing this, uh, it started to come up a lot in Triviality as the Shop Around the Corner story. Um, it changes, though, from you know adaptation to adaptation, but in the musical, it's a carton of vanilla ice cream. And it's uh, Zachary Levi, right? Yeah, um, brings it to Laura Benanti mm -hmm. in the new in the new version that you can watch online now, which is so so sweet. Uh, well, after five questions, uh, it's a very close game. It looks like Evan, Anne, and Tommy have two points, and uh, with a slight lead, JP with three. Great. Okay, so question number six: This show, adapted and remounted in 2016 with Audra McDonald was credited by Lofton Mitchell and Langston Hughes with launching the Harlem Renaissance. What is this show? The title kind of changed for the revival, so I'm pretty flexible with what you give me. All right, Evan, what's that guess? Uh, I'm going to just take a guess with um, Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> All right, JP? So I know there's a big addendum at the end of it that's like or the making of the great hit of 19 something at the end so i'm just going to go with the shortened title of shuffle along and hope that that's enough all right and i too am just throwing out a guess and i put showboat and tommy i went with ragtime that's a really good guess with ragtime um and the other ones make sense too it is shuffle along Full revival title is Shuffle Along or The Making of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and All That Followed. Love Audra McDonald. Oh, I she's couldn't remember my favorite. I couldn't remember the date to save my life on that question. <laughs> you didn't need it. You didn't. Um, uh, but you were very close. Um, okay. Speaking of her, Audra McDonald is the first person to win six competitive acting Tony Awards and the first to win an all four acting categories lead actress in a musical featured actress in a musical lead actress in a play and featured actress in a play i just want you to name one of the shows that she won a tony for yeah unfortunately i'm just gonna have to tap on this one jp so i couldn't remember the name of one of the shows because there's some number of degrees in the shade that she won for for supporting actress i believe i think it's 98 but i can't remember the exact number because numbers are awful so i'm actually going to go with an acting win and i'm going to say master class and Anne, i don't know it but my uh 
my go-to substitute lesson plan for the little ones is the, I think it's the 98 remake of Annie. So I know it's not the answer, but I'm going to go with Annie for her, for her work in that. And Tommy. I know there's a longer title to this show. She played Billie Holiday. Uh, so I've, I've gone with Lady Day as my answer. That's Lady Day at somewhere. Um, I'll accept that because um, that's the important. Uh, it's Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. That's correct. She won for Lead in a Play and Masterclass is also correct. That was her featured performance in a play. She also won for Porgy and Bess, Ragtime, Carousel, and A Raisin in the Sun. Um, 110 The Shade was a nomination for her. She didn't actually win that one, so it's good you didn't go in that direction. Oh, good. I'm glad not being able to remember numbers. <laughs> She's also got a lot of Emmy nominations, um, including for Raisin in the Sun. So um, she's she's really doing it. <laughs> Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Um, great. Okay, question eight. The 2009 Broadway revival of West Side Story involved one major change, but only for the actors in one of the gangs. What was that change? Locked in. I can give a hint if needed, because this is kind of tricky. If, if everyone else would like a hint. Uh, I can as, give the hint. As long yeah. as JP is okay with it, since he locked in first. Oh, yeah. I, we're playing trivia. Trivia is here to have fun. I agree. Absolutely. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Um, I want you guys to get the, like, that's what's fun for me. Um, uh, this applies to the sharks exclusively. And not the vacuum company. Correct. <laughs> or the fun animal in the sea. Yes. Or the baby mama, papa, <laughs> etc. I'm just going to uh, lock in with the guess. 
All right. So Evan, uh, feel free to start us off. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really not sure about this, which uh, feels bad since I gave that story about West Side Story <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, but I'm just gonna say in hopes that maybe for some reason they were no longer from Puerto Rico for some reason. All right, JP. I want to say this is an appearance of Lin Manuel Miranda, if I'm correct on this, but I believe he helped translate the lyrics of the sharks and their dialogue into Spanish. And. That's what I wrote down, too. I thought the whole show was in Spanish. I didn't realize it was just the sharks. So that makes way more sense. And Tommy. Yeah, I also had that they were changed to Spanish. That's correct. And um, this the, I don't blame you for uh, for anybody who doesn't know this, because this revival kind of flew under the radar. But um, the sharks performed in Spanish because um, Arthur Lorenz's partner saw a production of it in Colombia that reframed the sharks as the heroes. So he thought having them sing in Spanish would kind of place them on a more even footing for an American audience, um, which is very interesting to me. Um, my grandma told me she saw the like original production of this in Chicago and people would walk out when they saw um, a white guy and a Puerto Rican woman together. So the progress of the show wow. uh, throughout the years has really um indicative i think of a change yeah that's overall. probably why it uh it's very relevant uh, coming out now the the newer version yeah um definitely okay question nine this tiny powerhouse singer had her broadway premiere in the color purple and was nominated for two academy awards for the 2019 movie harriet if she had won either or both of them she would be an egot who is she did you say this was for original cast production of Color Purple or Revival? Um, Revival. This is a fantastic performer, the answer to this question. She is I top think five I for me. Evan, uh, what is your answer? Yeah, I just had to lock in a guess with Cicely Tyson. And JP? If I'm remembering the Revival cast right, I think it's Lashans is this performer's name, but I could be way off base on this. Okay, and Anne? I had to pass. Got a pass from Anne and Tommy. I had a very clear image of who I believe this person is, but I could not recall any name, so I passed. No one saw Bad, Bad Times at El Royale, apparently, the movie. Yeah. Um, this is Cynthia Erivo. Mm -hmm. um, she like kind of burst onto the scene, I feel like, with the color purple. And from there, because she got her daytime, a daytime Emmy, for performing The Color Purple on a TV show. She got her Grammy and her Tony for The Color Purple, um, and then two nominations for Harriet. So she's really on a roll. Yeah, she is. Very, very talented. Um, okay, question 10. In Chicago's Cell Block Tango, one of the murderesses tells the story of how she killed her husband. He storms in in a jealous rage and insists that she's been having an affair with who? And between two, feel free to talk it out. You're everyone else is locked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know everyone else. So in between, like, it's like I saw you screwing the neighbor, or I saw you screwing the milkman. And I know it's a two-syllable word, but life of me, I can't think of which one it is. Thing is, I am trying to like go through like which person in Cell Block Tango is the one that actually kills him, and I think this is the one. 
And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife nine times. And I'm trying to like work my way back through the lyrics of that little interlude surrounded by singers in beautiful Fosse poses in the revival on Broadway. I think I'm going to lock in with Milkman. All right, JP locked in with Milkman. Let's go to Evan. Yeah, I believe JP is right. I believe that he thought that she was screwing the Milkman. And Anne? Yep, Milkman. And Tommy? Milkman. That's correct. Um, she is Squish in the series of Pop 6 Squish, uh-uh, Cicero Lipschitz. Um, it's always the Milkman, like apparently. The <laughs> yeah. Oh, Squish, yeah. I mean, that's what a great song. Uh, and... Uh, Talk about a uh, a piece of you know production design and uh, choreography that I feel like is referenced, homaged, or ripped off so much in many many different things, with the yeah, silhouettes is... and and the double layers and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is one of those things that like people that don't know the show still know because it comes up um, so often. Um, okay, question eleven. It might seem improbable that Daniel Radcliffe. Nick Jonas and John Stamos share a credit on their resume, but all three of them played the lead role in which hit musical? I'm locked in. Ooh. I'm also locked in. You know, I was on this show once before, and I said my family would hate me if I missed a Harry Potter-related question, and it's about to happen again. I mean, it's adjacent, but uh, I am picturing it. I know he was in one where he was nude. I don't know if that's this one. I don't think that's this one. It might be. Um, I have no idea. I'm going to lock in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Okay, so Anne locks in with Hedwig and the Angry Inch. A uh, little hint for the listeners. Uh, you could add my name to that list, and there definitely was not a nude scene oh, when I performed cool. this role. Um, but uh, let's go to Evan. Yeah, if this is the uh, show I'm thinking of, I actually got to see uh, Daniel Radcliffe perform it. Uh, I believe this is how to succeed in business without really trying. And JP? Yeah, I, I, before that, I was going to make the quip of, wow, how do you perform this role without the nude scene? Um, <laughs> but no, this is this is not Equus. This is how to succeed in business without really trying. And Tommy? I also had how to succeed in business without really trying. That's correct. I left off Matthew Broderick because I felt like he's the one everyone knows about, but I kind of, maybe I should have added him back in. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remember when Nick Jonas was cast and all of a sudden everybody my age was like, oh, Nick Jonas. I think that, I think that's when people assumed that he started Broadway too, when he had started at such a young age uh, with Les Mis yeah. and other things. Um, and I think that version had, maybe it was the Daniel Radcliffe version, but they had Anderson Cooper did the, the VO in the beginning. And the original, I believe was Walter Cronkite. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. Yeah, the this show always seems to have like a star-studded cast, like Megan Mullally and um, uh, John Larroquette, and lots of people like this one. Yeah, there's a um, a lack of revivals that I've seen, at least. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is kind of a hard show, I suppose. That the music is kind of all over the place, but in a fun way. Um, and then I just love the song "Coffee Break," and there's a lot of great mm-hmm. elements to it. And I think. It's also another show that would be very relevant now, depending on how you did the production too. So. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay. Question 12. Which prolific actress holds the record for the most Tony telecasts hosted? Yeah, this is a really good question. I'm just trying to work through my 
my Rolodex. And it's just, it's been a while since I've actually had the chance to watch the Tonys in person because I cut the cord on cable for a very, very long time. Like, I feel like it has to be someone who, like, has done a good amount of stage work. I don't know why Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres is popping into my head. I know she's done a bunch of Oscars telecasts. Trying to think who else they could get to do an opening number. Maybe Bet. I don't think any of those answers are right. I'll go with someone who I know has actually hosted award shows. I'm going to lock in with Ellen DeGeneres. All right, JP with Ellen DeGeneres. Evan? Yeah, I locked in with a guest. I'm just going to go with Bernadette Peters. Okay, and Anne? I, too, had a guest, and I put Kristen Chenoweth. All right, and Tommy? I also went with Bernadette Peters. These are all great guesses, and I would love all of them to host the Tonys five times like Angela Lansbury has. Um, She also, she has four of her own Tonys. Um, I felt the need to include actress in there because Hugh Jackman and Neil Patrick Harris have both hosted four times. So they're really close to um, reaching or beating her record. She's so good on the Sweeney Todd original cast album. Uh, her, oh, whole, yeah. her whole career, I mean, but, you know, that she's so great in that. Um, yeah. I, uh, it seems like uh, she hasn't in so long that I think a lot of people have forgotten that she did it for so long. Um, hosting, I mean. Uh, question 13. Ali Stroker was the first performer in a wheelchair to have a lead role on Broadway, appearing as which role in the 2019 revival of Oklahoma? And with a show that goes on that long, especially from the pit, it actually still is going on. (laughs) That is really the sting of musicals, uh, if you're a pit performer. uh, Oh, I would imagine. It just never ends. I I did it in eighth grade with a CD track, and that was long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the added time was no benefit to me. I've blocked in with no answer. All right. Well, Tommy locks in with no answer, so we'll go to Evan. Yeah, uh, this is the only female character that I can think of right now from Oklahoma. I'm going to say Lori. Okay, JP? If you'd given me Oklahoma and who was the performer that won, I could have given that to you. If you gave me Ali's name and asked for the show, I could have given that to you. Character, not so much. Uh, I want to say the name is Annie or Adelani is what's stuck in my head. So I'm going to lock in with Adelani. All right. And Anne. Okay, I got really nervous when Evan said Lori. I did this uh, in Pitt Orchestra in Summerstock once. Um, I think it's Ado Annie, though. It It is Ado Annie. I'll take Adel Annie because, you know, depending on who's singing it, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds different each time. Um, and this is my eighth grade musical, and I played Aunt Eller, so they had to spray paint my hair gray. <laughs> um, it was... A formative moment in my career speaking of that I, I, there was nothing better than uh finishing a show if you were in a show uh with a lot of makeup or whether it was like uh the uh, shoe polish or whatever in your hair or the gray, like you know the spray uh or just any sort of makeup and then going to like baker square for the cast party <laughs> afterwards and people looking at you like where did you come from yeah um it it feels like every saturday night in the spring you could go to like a sh- uh steak and shake or culvers or something and find a cast (laughs) there um 
I, I brought up this production in particular because we're starting to see disability representation on Broadway, um, like with Deaf West's Spring Awakening. Um, the 2017 revival of Glass Menagerie used an actress with muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the deaf actor Russell ha- Harvard, who has been in like um, in There Will Be Blood and I think Fargo, um, he was written into a production of King Lear um, that used an interpreter on stage. Um, so it's really exciting to see accurate representation of disability on the stage now. It is. It is. And especially um, not only original shows, which is wonderful, but also uh, retrofitting some more classic uh, shows so that uh, people maybe who aren't familiar with or don't get a chance to see independent shows can go to the bigger, bigger name shows and actually see that representation on stage, which is great. Yeah. Um, Great. Okay. Question 14. This is another record question. Which actress holds the record for most Tony nominations for any performer? tied with Julie Harris, who has 10. So they both have 10. Her resume includes such shows as Chicago, Bye Bye Birdie, Nine, and Kiss of the Spider Woman. You can see her on the cover of the Kiss of the Spider Woman CD uh, that I have downstairs. (laughs) I don't think it's her, but for the sake of not dragging this out, I'm going to lock in with Cheetah Rivera. Okay, Cheetah Rivera for JP. Let's go to Evan. Yeah, I... uh... I had two guests, Cheetah Rivera. Anne? I, for no reason, guessed Carol Channing. And Tommy? I've also got Cheetah Rivera. The correct answer is Cheetah Rivera. So, good guess. Um, yeah. She's just wonderful. Just all around. <laughs> so, 10 nominations, you said. That is tied with the most? Yeah, with um, Julie Harris, who I think she does. Uh, she doesn't do as many musicals as Cheetah Rivera did. So, um, I should have written down, but I want to like how many were musical nominations, how many were play nominations. Um, well, uh, this does bring us to our final question. So, uh, not saying that all the marbles are on this final question, but I guess they kind of are. But uh, we're excited. <laughs> okay, so question fifteen. Which astrological sign probably feels the most represented on Broadway, thanks to hair? All right, Evan, what do you have? Well, I uh, I woke up this morning and I looked outside and I realized that it was the dawn of Aquarius. So I'm going to say Aquarius. And JP? I, too, locked in with the age of Aquarius. And? Aquarius. And Tommy? Same here, Aquarius. <sighs> Yay, it is Aquarius. <laughs> This is a, a wild show, um, <laughs> but I feel like this is a song that now everybody seems to know. Like whether you know theater or not, this has totally entered the mainstream. I think that's the uh, the Judd Apatow effect of uh, Four Year Old Virgin putting it at the end of the movie, <laughs> which seems at the time so random. But if it introduces people to musical theater, I mean that that's uh, not a bad thing. Totally. Um, and uh, on one more note, with that show, definitely one that has experimented with having nude people on stage. So. Uh, unlike yes. how to succeed. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, our final scores here uh, in uh, tied for third place uh, are Evan and Anne with six points. In second place, Tommy with eight points. And today's winner, JP, with 11 points. Great job, everybody. Yes, great job. I hope job. this wasn't too hard. <laughs> no, no, it was a fun game. Uh, very uh, close fought battle. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. 
Uh, we'll have to see what the scores are for episode two to see if uh, perhaps Tommy can move on as the wild card to the final round and join JP. Um, but we want to thank everyone uh, for listening to the first episode of the Broadway bonus tournament. And I'm just going to go down the line here and thank everyone once again. Uh, Evan, thank you very much for uh, joining us today and for competing. Uh, any final words or any uh, official soundtrack from a Broadway cast that we should check out immediately? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think probably my favorite uh, cast album would have to be Come From Away. I really enjoy that album as well as that show. So that would be my uh, recommendation for sure. Great recommendation. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's move on to Anne. Thank you again for joining us. Congratulations once again. And uh, same question to you. Oh, thanks. Um, my favorite album is not obscure, but I'll go ahead and shout it out. I, I love the the Lion King original Broadway cast recording. It's probably my most listened to soundtrack. Awesome. Well, yeah, you can never go wrong with that one. That's for sure. Um, and uh, Tommy, uh, thank you again for joining us. And all, another congratulations to you. Uh, what is your answer to that question? Uh, yeah, the last show I was listening to was Spring Awakening. So go give that one a listen. Great recommendation. Uh, so thank thank you three uh, for, for joining us. Uh, and JP, you will be moving on to the final. Uh, great job today competing. Uh, and uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, uh, I was uh, gearing up to see Assassins before everything uh, ended up closing down. So uh, if you are not familiar with that Sondheim gem and you want to learn about uh, how to kill a president, you should listen to that soundtrack. JP, the uh, the, the uh, purveyor of blood musicals is what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> just add Sweeney Todd in there. <laughs> I, I cannot help that I have a brand and it is dark and Sondheim. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, well, thank you all for, uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Also for your support on Patreon. Uh, Kellen, thank you very much for hosting today. And uh, you'll be right back here with me uh, next week for the next episode. But any final words from you? No, uh, great job, everybody. Um, and hopefully we can all take comfort in our favorite theater right now. While we can't see it live, there's all different ways to see it um, online and in our hearts. <laughs> there you go. Very true. And any cast album we should check out before we uh, depart here, Kellen? Um, I've been going through my Spotify trying to pick one. Um, the one at the very top of my saved albums list is The Light in the Piazza. And I was able to do that in college, but that's one of my favorites. Oh, great recommendation. Uh, and I will close out with the last show that I was able to see on Broadway before things closed down, which is uh, Beetlejuice. Really, really fun cast album and uh, score if you'd like to check out something different. So thank you very much to uh, to Evan, to JP, to Anne, to Tommy, and to our special guest host and writer, Kellen McGuire. My name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? <laughs> We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. <laughs> New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.